grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. We are in the middle of a sermon series we've entitled Against All Odds. And what we've been looking at are things that simply don't measure up to the way we think normally. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about the fact that we are ready for Jesus' return against all odds. Last week, that we are children of God, part of his family against all odds. And today, as we celebrate Thanksgiving at chapel, we're going to seek contentment, knowing just how hard it is to be truly content in this life. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that many people here today will make a trip or maybe multiple trips to the grocery store over the course of the next few days. I'm going to take you on another trip this morning because I got to thinking about this a little bit and did a little research this week. You're going to have to be a little older like me to really remember back. But grocery stores have changed quite a bit over the course of the last 40 years. Maybe some of you still know this. If you live in small communities, you might still have the grocery store that is a little bit smaller, but that was normal in 1980. Most grocery stores carried less than 9,000 items on their shelves. You want to guess what the supermarkets carry today? It's well over 50,000 items that are in grocery stores today. And maybe some of it is just practical because when you had to use one of those little things and put a sticker for every price on everything that was in the store, and now we just get to use SKUs, maybe that's why there's a lot more. But it's not just the items that are available. Do you know that the aisles have become doubly wide to what's they, what they once were? You know that the average shopping cart is at least two times as big as it once was. And it's not just grocery stores. Our homes are bigger, our cars are bigger, our plates are bigger, right? Everything speaks to this idea that we just don't ever quite feel like we have enough. Is it possible to ever find true contentment? Today, the Apostle Paul shares with us a secret. His secret to contentment, and I suppose we could say since he shares it with us so freely, it's no longer a secret. But listen to his words in the letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. Paul says this, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. As we contemplate these words of the Apostle Paul for a few moments today, let's explore with him this idea of contentment and, and listen to his secret to what it takes to be truly content in this life. And then we will strive to live with contentment. As we take a look at that, we'll see, first of all, that living with contentment is possible whatever our situation. And then secondly, it's possible because of our God. Philippians chapter 4 is the final chapter in the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the congregation in Philippi. And maybe you even remember where he wrote it from. He was actually in Rome under house arrest, not a free man, awaiting trial for preaching the gospel. That was Paul's situation. 
And if there's ever a chance that someone had to be discontent, we'd have to think that Paul maybe could feel a little bit discontent being in prison for preaching God's word. But Paul explains how the experiences, what he experienced in life had changed his attitude. He tells us at the start of this section that the Philippians had sent him aid. They, they brought him good things as he was there under house arrest, but he didn't really need them, he said, because he had learned. He learned from experience what it was like to live whether he had plenty or whether he was in need. Paul knew how to handle both the highs and lows of life in this world. We know, don't we, the highs and lows of this life? You might be sailing along, everything's just great in life, and then there's that unexpected car repair that comes up. Or maybe something happens in your home. Maybe there's medical expenses you weren't expecting. Or if you're a student, everything's great in your class, you seem to be mastering the material, you got a solid grade, and then comes that test that you didn't quite understand the material, and suddenly your grade is down in a territory where you don't want it, right? And when those things happen, is it, is it fair to say that we have this idea that happiness, that joy is so based on circumstances in our life that that's part of what makes us discontent? Those circumstances in life determine how we live, whether we're joyful or happy or whether we're down and frustrated. It's so hard. To be content, isn't it? And then I thought about this this week. It, it, isn't, it isn't that we don't understand contentment is difficult, but we sometimes don't even recognize how discontent we truly are. Because we always think of the people who want so much more, that, that are living way beyond their means. Those are the real discontent people. Not me, I just want a little more. Just a little bit. Just one more thing that would make my life complete. And isn't that what makes contentment so elusive? There's always the next thing. We can always say to ourselves, if I had, then I would really be happy, right? Isn't it why Paul's secret to being content is so important for us to hear? The apostle says he's learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then, did you hear his next words? People use these words for a lot of different reasons, but in context, they're beautiful. I can do all this, live contented, whether in plenty or want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. See, that's how Paul lived a contented life. He knew how big his God is. Maybe that's a good question for us to ask ourselves this morning. How big is God to us? How big is God in your life? You see, when we're discontent, when we worry, when we become anxious, when we wish that we had more, aren't we really saying that God is pretty small? Like, he's not doing what we need him to do. He's not living up to his end of the bargain. But that's not what God wants for you and me. He wants us to rely on him. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to see how deep his love for us truly goes. And we know, don't we? We see it. In Jesus, the one who was willing to give up the riches of heaven, to come down to this earth and wear our skin so that he could go to a cross 
where he suffered the most agonizing, horrible death that we could even imagine, not for sins that he had committed, but for yours and for mine. That's how we know we have riches. The Apostle Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. When you question God's love for you, when you wonder if God really cares, recognize that it's already been proven how deep his love goes. It's proven on that cross. It's proven in a vacated grave that Jesus by which Jesus assures you that your sins are forgiven. That leads us to be thankful. Thankful, first of all, for our salvation. Thankful for a God who loves us so deeply. Thankful for a God who gives us the strength to be content no matter the circumstances. Thankful to a God who says, your place forever is with me in heaven. So when those little thoughts crop up in our head, like, if, if I had, then I would truly be happy, maybe we can replace those with a phrase like this, I already have. I already have the forgiveness of sins. I already have the love of a God who's made a place ready for me in heaven. I have a God who strengthens me every single day. Writer to the Hebrews wrote it this way, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. What a promise from God. That God who's so big is with you and me every single day as he guides us to that heavenly home. Two things I'd like to take you, take home, for you to take home with you today. First of all, oh, I think I'm by battery, might be dead, sorry. Oh, there we go, thanks Steve. Number one, the secret to being content is found in focusing on what God has given us. Right at the end of this section in chapter 4, the Apostle Paul writes this, My God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And then secondly, the secret to being content is found in remembering the one who loves us. You might recognize these words from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given you as well. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this Ben Franklin quote, but it's a pretty good one. Contentment makes poor men rich. Discontent makes rich men poor. He nailed it, didn't he? Because we know. When we ignore the blessings that we have, when, when we look at the things that we don't have, we feel like we're missing out. We feel poor. But when we find satisfaction in what God has given us, especially the blessings that we have in Jesus, that's when we recognize how rich we truly are. We know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know the one who gives us strength to face the ups and downs of life, the highs and the lows, and we have through him a place forever in heaven. That's how we live with contentment. We say with the Apostle Paul, I can do all this through him who strengthens me. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.